You ready? You buckled in? You had the safety briefing? The emergency exits are there. Lock the doors. Do you get meals? Yeah, you just had it. <laughs> well, you're about to be given it right now. I was driving home in my little yellow car during the week. That was really funny. Um, <laughs> just a side note, this is quite interesting, but I was driving on Monday, Monday, Monday or Tuesday, Monday. It was raining, pouring down with rain, and going down the motorway, and the wind, windscreen wipers, and then the right one went, boing, and went right off the side of the windscreen. And I went, and I'm like, that's not good, <laughs> especially when that you can't see, and you're going 100 k's down the road, so I'm like, ah. So I'm like slowed right down and hit the indicator on, pulled over, and the windscreen wiper was literally pointing out like that. So I managed to sort of, didn't want to break it, put it back on, put it on the, on the windscreen and took off again and four times had to pull over. And um, that's what it can be like when you can't see, it becomes quite foggy. And can't see in front of you, I couldn't even see two feet in front of me. And you get a little bit scared when you can't see. But how many people know that God wants us to see all things? He wants us to have x-ray vision. He wants us to see 10 dimensionally. He wants to see beyond the natural and be able to see his eternal plan for us. And I'm here to tell you today, and we've been communicating this for some time, but it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. It can be fully known embraced and lived out now. It's a lie to believe it's a mystery. It's a lie to think, when I get to eternity, then I'll know. No, you can know now. Men and women went to great lengths to preserve him in written form. That you and I would know what is contained in Christ the living one, the living scripture. He said, you seek the scriptures because you think in words you're going to find life, didn't he? But he said, you'll only find life when you found me because I'm the one who wrote the words. So if you try to find life without me in words, you'll never find it because the words came from the word. You can't separate the word and the words. Man, do we try. We try and discover life in words without the word, but yet it's the word who brings the words to life. So you can know all things if you know the word, because the word brings the words to life. But there were these people that were unwilling to come to the Word to find life. They tried to find life in words. Did they find it? No. I hope you are. I hope we are. And as I was driving during the week, he said, Greg, I want you to remind everybody what my macro eternal plan is for my people. Anyone read this book, The Shack? Anyone seen the movie? 
The movie was awesome. I haven't actually read the book, but the movie was phenomenal. But here's the question. If I wanted to know how the story ends to this book, what would I do? I'd what? I'd read the last page or the last chapter, wouldn't I? If I wanted to discover how the story ends, I'd go to the back. Does anyone do that? (laughs) Kirsten needs help, man. (laughs) Lay hands on her, be set free from that. But I'd go to the back of the book, wouldn't I? So if I want to know the eternal plan, purpose, where would I look? At the back of the book. Makes sense? There's a principle that works, doesn't it, in novels and in the book. So if you want to know what the eternal plan is for God, you start at the back of the book. Because the end determines the beginning. Isn't that what Isaiah said? He said, I declare God is a God who declares the end from the beginning. So if you want to know how to walk this life out, you need to know the end so you start well. But where's life found? In Christ and also in the middle and in the process So we discover what the end is, then we come back to the beginning, and then we walk out in the way. So what happens when we get to the end, we actually get the outcome of the end. Why? Because we knew what the end was, so we started well, and everything in the middle went to plan. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So if you're in my way, in my truth, you'll experience my life. So when the day comes for the judgment of reward, I receive What was at the end? Real simple. Yes? Then why is it so hard? Why do we confuse it? Because we actually don't know what the end is. But we can. And so God said, I want you to remind my people, your brothers and sisters, what the end is. What we're about to have, hopefully in the next two or three weeks, is we're going to have it on some format here on stage, the eternal purposes, which I'm about to show you. So every Sunday you come, you see it. And it'll be right in front of you so you can't miss it. Now that will hopefully bring you into a living conviction because that's what we all need. Not a head knowledge, I need a living knowledge. I can know it through the Scriptures, but I need to know it through the one of the Scriptures. I need to know it from the person, not the principle, because that's what's going to change me. When the living Word is revealed within me, wow, life and kindness becomes better than life. I found a love. I found a purpose. I found a plan that trumps every plan on the earth, every purpose that I had. And I bow down and surrender to the macro plan of heaven, which always was, which where I find life. So I want to give you four things today, but they are one thing. Okay? They are four, but they're one. They are really one position because everything the Bible says is contained within the person. So all things came through who? Jesus. All things are contained in. In Jesus. So if I know Jesus, I will know all things. Very simple, clear, precise, and it's true. 
So we are only going to grow and understand what I'm about to say if we know Jesus. And yet we say, but I know Jesus. Then do you know the eternal plan of heaven? See, it's an ongoing relationship, isn't it? So seek first Jesus. Seek first Jesus and you'll know all things. Prayer releases praise. Praise releases presence. Presence releases power. Prayer. Do we pray? Releases praise. Through prayer you find him. That releases praise. Praise releases presence. And in the presence is power. Power to change you and I. Bring you into the reality that is. So. I love this statement. You've got to hear this. This is amazing. I read this. Prophecy is history written in advance. Prophecy... His entire word is history. It's just written in advance. Why? Can you know history? Yeah, you can go back and study history, can't you? So you can know history. So if prophecy is history written in advance, what can you know? Prophecy. The future. So the book of Revelation is the final chapter in history. But the book of Revelation is all about scary things. Eh, wrong. But the book of Revelation is all about these monsters with four heads. Yes, it's in there, but eh, well, they're not monsters, but eh, wrong. Now, you don't go anywhere near the book of Revelation because it doesn't build the church. Eh, wrong. It's the book, I think, I haven't actually looked at this, I maybe should have, but I think it's the book, the only book that says... Make sure you read these words, take them to heed, and be careful to do everything that's written in it. So the very first promise in the book of Revelation is that. And yet so often in the church, we have run scared from looking at the book of Revelation because we don't what? Understand it. And because we don't understand it, we're scared of it. And anyone that goes near it is like, oh, you're one of those super spiritual guys. And yet, contained in the book, if you want to know the eternal purpose, where do you look? The back of the book. The enemy is very good, isn't he? Let's get the church off looking at the back of the book, because if they discover the back of the book, they'll know what it's all about. And I don't want that. So, I lure them away from looking at the most scariest book in their eyes, It's only about the revelation of the person, the one who's looking for his eternal companion. The book of Revelation is about the revelation of a person. It's all about the return. It's about the bride. It's about the end. And there's a small bit in it about the tribulation. A small bit. But what we do, and we're experts at this, is we take the small and we make it big, and we take the big and we make it small. And then we're paralyzed by the small, which is paralyzed by the big, which is really small. And we miss the big. So we focus on all the wrong things 
and we miss what we can know called God's eternal plan for you and I. It's good news, isn't it? There is nothing to be afraid of in Christ because love, Jesus Christ, casts out all fear. So let's dive in to this. God gives you and I his conclusion. He gives it throughout the entire Bible. Adam and Eve, do not eat from that tree, for surely you will die. Conclusion, yes. With every conclusion, there is an outcome, yes. If we follow the plan, we get the outcome. Truth is self-evident. Truth is self-evident. If you're in truth, you have the evidence of it. Because truth, Jesus, is self-evident. What he says is. Don't have to sell truth because what it is, is. I encountered truth, found truth, it's evident. It comes out. Why? Because it's evident. If we get the revelation of what I'm about to say, you will live it out because the truth is self-evident. Your life will reflect the truth because truth is self-evident. Jesus is self-evident. That's how literal it is. So God gives us his conclusion. He says, if you eat from that tree, you will die. The enemy comes along and says what? I'm going to give you another conclusion to that conclusion. You will not surely die. So he's always trying to give you and I another conclusion. But God is the one of the conclusion. And if we follow God's plan, we will get the outcome of his conclusion. If we do not follow his plan and we are hoodwinked either by our own conclusion, I don't think God's like that. So we create another conclusion. Or we listen to the enemy who sells us another conclusion. No, surely you will not die. Then we never get the outcome that God desires because we've been hoodwinked in the conclusion. Are we tracking with me? Okay. All right, come over to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verses 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. You've got to hear in the Spirit because understanding starts in the Spirit. Jesus said you cannot understand because you do not hear the word that comes from the Spirit, the eternal. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Wow. There's a conclusion. Powerful, eh? 
powerful. Those who hear, we need to be able to hear. You see, when you can't hear, you think this book's horrible. But when you can hear, it's amazing. When we see what's really contained in here, life begins. They said life begins at 40. There was a song, Hog Snort and Rupert. Life begins at 40. I won't repeat the rest of the words. Life begins when you see. Life begins when you're actually able to see what already is in an invisible realm. And you don't have to be 40. You can be five. You can be 25. You can be 105. Life begins through the ability to see true life. What we were really born for, birthed for. Listen to these words in Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Where are your eyes? Where are your ears? Are they led astray? Work's busy. Life's busy. Where do you fix your eyes. Where do you fix your ears? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Who wrote the book? The author. Who's the author? Jesus. Every author starts with the end in mind, don't they? Just want to repeat the point. He's the same. That's where the principle comes from because he's all things. So every author has the end in mind before they write the book. So you'll find the answers in the back of the book. But then he says, you know what? I am the perfecter. So I write the story. Then I come along and I'm going to perfect you into an alignment to the end. I'm going to grab you, twist you, shake you, turn you upside down. I'm going to build you. Oh, there's a familiar word. And through building, guess what? I'm going to bless you. You'll be blessed to know the eternal plan and start living for it. Why? Because he had a joy in him. For the joy that was in him, he endured, not enjoyed, endured the cross. For you and I, because of what he could see. He had eternal vision. That's what true vision is. It's eternal sight. Who for the joy that was set before him endured? Did he know the Father's will? Yes. Are you and I to know the Father's will? Yes. Do you think if you know the Father's will, you're going to have a joy in you? And it's what? Going to endure what you go through on earth. If you don't have the joy, how do you endure trials and tribulations that are coming? So he wants you and I to know the eternal so you can have a joy in you. So when life gets hard, you overcome life that's hard because you're not living for life that's hard. You're living for a greater life that's in, in him. So the greater life that's in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, greater is in me that's in the world, overcomes the life that's coming at me. Oh, yeah. And this is fully possible if we know the eternal 
purpose of God. The eternal purpose for his church isn't to be a mystery. It is to be fully known now so we can live from it now. And if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we will come into a revealed living position of not only God's eternal purpose for us now, but all his truth. All his truth is eternal because it comes from the eternal place. Okay, I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about eternal. Temporal is earthly. It's passing away. Eternal lasts forever. Okay, So it's from the eternal realm dimension called the Spirit of God. So the kingdom of God. So it comes from there. So the first thing, and you're all going to go, oh, yeah, I know that, is knowing God. Don't get lost in the simplicity of that statement. Don't write it off and go, well, I do. Well, because here's the thing. There's a tester. If you do, then are you living from what I just said? You see, the knowledge of God brings you into the life of God. So knowing God, loving God, and loving people is the first eternal purpose, not temporal, eternal purpose for the church. It's an eternal reality. You can't do that if you're living from the temporal. You can't love God, love people from the temporal. It's from the eternal. That's why it's an eternal purpose. And it goes towards the bigger eternal purpose. Yes? So it's so simple. And Paul said, man, make sure you're not led astray from the simplicity and the purity of the devotion to Christ. He compares it to the fall of man because he knows the Corinthian church were getting led astray. He said, you've been led astray in your minds from the simplicity and the purity of an undivided, undistracted devotion to God. Where are your eyes? See, if your eyes aren't on Christ, you're distracted. If your eyes are on you, you're distracted. The enemy is winning the battle. He's got your eyes on you and off Christ, which means you won't have a joy in you because you're not looking in the right place. You're looking for you to be the resource. You're looking for your strength. You're looking for you, you, you. No, him. Fix your eyes on the things above where Christ is seated. Otherwise, life is hard, it's heavy, it's burdensome, and it just sucks. Amen. Full stop. But there is a life you and I can know and receive. It's found in knowing God. And out of knowing God, you will love God. And out of loving God, we will love one another with the eternal love. Man, that is good news. Ephesians 3, 7 to 11. Let's go. I'm going to fly through some of these scriptures because it's a bit of a scripture bath today, which is cool. And this is going to give you the picture. <clears throat> Wish I could paint. We're going to hopefully find some people that can, and we're going to paint some pictures around this place. Hopefully the imagery behind us will just keep us aligned. Efe- uh, sorry, Philippians. Did I say Ephesians? Philippians 3, sorry. Philippians 3, 7. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. The goal of life is the title in the NASB. The goal of life. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of 
all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness on my own derived from the law, that's what I was trying to do before. But that which is through faith in Christ. God is the author and perfecter of faith. Faith is the ability to see. So if you're being perfected, you have the ability to see at a greater measure because that's what faith is. So if you're in the story, being built by the one of the story, being perfected by the one of the story, the author, then you have faith to see what is. And this man's going, I was trying to get righteousness through the law. No, it's through faith, idiot. He's talking to himself, you idiot. You tried for so long. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm the scholar of the scholar. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a this, I'm a that. Look at me, how good I am. <laughs> Worthless, he says. Rubbish. What for? Compared to what? Knowing the truth. Knowing God. Two simple words. Man, do we need to catch those? Uh, that I might know him, this is verse 10, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, which is what we're going to look at as we get into what he's saying there. Okay, Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. These are all going to come up behind me. I might just read it from there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. He's what? One. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Are we doing that, parents? Are we discipling our children? Have we? Do we miss the boat on that one? It's never too late. Okay? You shall teach them dinner to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. What's dinner time like in the house? What are we talking about? What we're seeing on the earth? Well, life sucks. Why? Because my eyes aren't fixed on Christ. They're fixed on us and our family. So life, the dinner table, no life. What are we talking about? He says, talk about me. Your son shall talk on them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on your frontals, on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Loving, knowing God. Eternal purpose, it's the start of everything. Know God, you'll love God, you'll love people You'll be consumed with God in a great way. You won't be some religious zealot. You'll be Christ-like. People want Christ-like Christians, not zealots, Christ-like followers. They're the most attractive people on the planet. They're not weird. They know how to live properly from heaven to earth. John 13, 34. Next one. Here we go. A new commandment I give you today, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's a big command. Massive. If we were to measure that, where would we, where would we fit on the love radar? 
Loving one another. What would that look like when it comes to praying for one another? Laying your lives down for one another. Being here for others. Serving others. See, there's a measuring stick, isn't it? Do you know we're going to be measured by that? The scripture is to put the fear of God in us. The awe and the reverence of God that we would live to the standard of God. Not our apathetic state, lazy state. Oh, well, God loves me. This I know. Yes, he does. But he's looking for his eternal companion. You see, we say God loves us. Jesus loves us. But here's the thing. Jesus loved his father more than he loved us. It's what enabled him to love us. It was his love for the father that enables you to love someone else. If you don't know the father, you won't love others. Jesus was consumed with his father, father, father. Is there any other way? Father, no, there's not. Father, I will do your will. Why? Because I love you, father. And out of that, he gave his life and loved you and I. You see, we're like, Jesus loves me. Yeah, but do you love the father? So the first eternal purpose is know God. Love God. Love mankind. Okay, let's go to number two. Once again, this is all one position, okay? But that one fuels everything. Second eternal purpose, the marriage between Christ and his bride. Revelation 19, 7 and 9. This is the second, okay? Let us rejoice. Once again, back of the book. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Guys, are we making ourselves ready through knowing God? Are we adorning ourselves, getting ourselves ready, fine linen garments? Are we preparing or are our eyes fixed on us still? We can't see this because our eyes are fixed on the earth. I told you he was knocking on the door of your heart. Let me in. Let me in. I've got many things to share with you that you can know this in a living capacity, which would change you now. It would unbolt you from you and propel you and bolt you into him. This is so exciting. This is how you know you're in it, because you're excited. Think about the thing you found when you first found it, whatever it was, and how exciting it was. Maybe it was a passion that you get to do. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was a puppy. Maybe it was whatever. You've dreamed of this thing and you got this thing. Imagine if you're like this. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. I want a puppy. Oh, thanks, Mum, Dad. The puppy's there. And you're like, you want to come? Oh, whatever. I don't care. So we get it in the physical. When we get this, this is what it's like. You talk about praise? Man, you'll dance. You'll move. I'm trying to stir us. Because this is, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you and I. It's not eternal purpose for Greg. It's the eternal purpose for God's people. Okay? So he's saying, make yourself ready. It was given to you to clothe yourself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the church. You and me and everyone that's gone before us, everyone that was coming in front of us, us, put you in the scripture. Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Don't you get invited to marriages? It's a great time, isn't it? Yeah, because you eat, you party, you dance, you celebrate. It's awesome. 
Where do you think it comes from? Him. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Is God a liar? No. Boom. Revelation 3, 19 to 22. Let's go there. I really want to make my point this morning. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Oh, I've got nothing to repent of. Really? It's a lifestyle. He's washed us from sin. We're not repenting of that again. We're repenting, turning the Bible means, and having a completely new mindset. Okay? It means get a whole new way of thinking. So it's about living a life of repentance. Repent because the kingdom is at hand. And you don't think the way you need to think. Hence, that's why we're not excited, he's saying to his disciples. If your mind's renewed, you'll get excited. If you're not excited, your mind isn't being renewed to the stuff that's being taught. And you have to just allow that truth to hit you and propel you into him, not away from him. Why? Because he wants you to be at this with him. But you don't just get there because you went, yay. It requires something from us, okay? A lot from us. It's called discipline. It's called obedience. It's called faithfulness. It's called doing it his way, not living for you, him. Where am I up to? Look at this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. And he with me. See how it's not one-sided? It's pretty boring having a meal on your own. Candles, the wine, the beautiful meal, and no one. Mm. Maybe you got a dog, that's okay. Would you like some? No, no, there's been another person. It's called Christ. There's a promise. He who, what? He who overcomes. What did I just talk about? about life, being overcome by life or overcoming life, because the joy that's in you endures the cross. Okay, so he who overcomes, I will grant to him. You ready for this? Here's the promise. Grant to him to sit down with Christ on my throne, as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Go to the next one. He who has an ear, let him hear. Okay, so if you're hearing that through the way that's intended, you're going to be doing a dance. You'll be like, I'm going to sit on his throne with him. This is the way I express it. You might not do this, okay? But trust me, you'll be excited. You'll be like, let me share this with you, man. I've been invited to sit with Christ on his throne for eternity. That doesn't get any better than this. The creator of the universe wants to hang out with this Muppet. Because I'm no longer a Muppet. He's made me whole. He's made me new. And I've been preparing myself my whole life. What for? For that. For that. Eternal purpose, eternal purpose. It will shake you out of the now, the temporal, man. You'll be unhooked, unlocked. Let's go. Let's go. But where does it come from? Knowing God. Don't try and run off and try and make this now and go buy some gears. And It's here. 
the preparation is in, internal. Okay? You don't race off and try and change the external. You can turn up in your nice wedding dress. Sorry. You polish the outside really well, but you're in a world. You weren't perfected. I started a work through the gospel, Philippians 1. And as you what? As you engaged, as you participated in the gospel, what does that mean? Then I actually promise you the work that I started when you received the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, I will perfect that. Why? I will perfect you to become this. So then you, through my blood, are worthy to sit with me here. See, the man at the wedding feast, he wasn't worthy because he had the wrong clothes on. He had the robes of righteousness, but he didn't have the robes of the righteous acts of the saints. You get the robes of righteousness, Isaiah 61, for free. It's called the gift of salvation. But the robes of the righteous acts requires a work. A work through the power of God. It's called faith and works. But the works come from faith, from the invisible realm, empowered by the invisible God. And all of a sudden you're doing a work that you're being used, but you ain't doing it. It's called a righteous act of the saints. That was the garment given to the bride, wasn't it? There are two garments. Can you see now why the man who had the wrong garment on, your clothes, you're not worthy, outside. Not hell, you're outside of the wedding. The wedding is not in hell, it is in the kingdom of heaven. You get that round the wrong way, you don't look at that scripture and think it's for you. You think it's for a lost person. Because lost people, Christians don't end up in outer darkness, really, go read the scriptures. This is how you live a casual life, because you don't know the fullness of truth. You think, I'm all right, Jack. It's those people that need the help. It's those guys that need help. Yes, they do, and we are the answer to their help. But you know what? We need help too. Anyone else for that one? So why do you think judgment starts with the house of God? (laughs) See, you've got to get in this if you want this. You will not just get this because you found it in a wheat bix packet. There is a work, guys. Okay, Romans eight twenty eight. How many people read this and know what you're really reading? <laughs> Do you know what you're reading into? And we know that God causes all things to go, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His. What's His purpose? His eternal purpose. So this is how you read it. And we know that God, who causes all things to work together for evil, good. See, things we go through, you might think they're evil. No, they're good. Why? Because you know what happens when pain comes? What do you do? Who do you run to? Dad. Who are you not running to when you're not in pain? A lot of the time. Yourself. Some of the things he allows, go see the shack, it's fantastic. Now, God didn't cause it, God can intervene in it, but he doesn't. 
Why? Because there's a much, much greater plan that's downloading. He's made all things new. This is temporal. Everything that happens on the earth is temporal. And yet we treat it like it's eternal. We treat it like this is life, and at the end of this life, that's all you've got. No, it's not. It's not. This is a blip. It's a vapor, Bible says. We spend so much time, energy being consumed into something that the Bible says is perishing. It's not wise. It's foolish. So he's telling you here, I will all things for good for those who love me, know God, fall in love, get understanding of what you're going through. Make sense? When you know God and you fall in love, you get understanding of why he allows things. And the things that you're going through, which every human needs meaning and purpose, don't we? You get that when you fall in love. If you don't have meaning and purpose to why you might be going through something, that's a dark road. That's how suicide happens. There's no hope. But see, if you know God, you love God, you see hope in hopeless situations. That's where you find hope in Christ. And it's all for an eternal purpose. So he says, according to his eternal. So everything he's doing, he's allowing for the eternal plan. He's going to prepare his bride. She's going to reign with him. She needs to look like him. She must go through what he went through. Are we tracking with me? If you want to be like Christ, you've got to have the life of Christ. Did Christ suffer? You can't be a follower and not have suffering if you really want to be a follower. If you want all that is given in Christ for us, you've got to go through all. You can't bypass it and go, nah, nah, let me check the list. I don't like that, that, that. I'll give you that one. He goes, no, if you want all, you've got to go through all. You don't go through all, you don't get all. I still love you. But no, hear this one thing. No, you will not receive all that is for you if you don't go through all. What did Paul say? I want to know him. I want to have the power of his resurrection. And I want to have fellowship with the man's sufferings. The Bible says if you're living a godly life, you will be persecuted. So you need to check your radar and go, am I being persecuted? Because if I'm not... I may not be living a godly life. This is just what the truth is saying. I'm not making this up. Go read it in the Word. You see what I mean? There is a reality to come into. And there is a reality to stay in. And God wants you in the reality where actually I'm, because I'm in truth. Was he persecuted for being in truth? Was he persecuted for speaking the truth? Why? Because he was the truth. So the more truth is in you, you will upset people around you. Do you know who you'll upset? Stand up for a minute. Right here. This is where it starts if you're married. Hey. Better believe it. <laughs> and the potential here for division is massive. See, we paint this picture. Oh, it's all so lovely, and these guys must have it all together. Eh, wrong. Because when flesh and spirit come together, they don't like one another. Isn't that what it says? And yet when spirit and spirit come together, you have oneness. Well, our marriage is all it is is a smaller picture of what's happening right here. Our marriage is a picture of your marriage. Our marriage is a picture of your relationship with Christ. Our marriage is a picture of what's happening in the body of Christ. So if it's happening here, it's happening in your marriages, and it's happening in the body of Christ. If you're going after truth, 
If you're not going after truth, it won't be happening. So embrace it. Why? Because all things. What for? The eternal plan. You know what happens as a man starts to love his wife like Christ does? Oneness with Christ. You know what happens when a woman starts to submit to her husband through Christ? Oneness with Christ. You know what you get in a marriage? May they be one. And that can grow and develop to this beautiful, exquisite representation of the eternal marriage. Why is there no marriage after the resurrection, my people? Because you're marrying me. It has fulfilled its purpose. Don't make your marriage an end. Make it a means to an end. But there is no oneness in a marriage. I'm not saying you won't be one with him because it's about oneness with him first. But he gives you and I this eternal covenant called physical marriage to produce a work, a perfecting work through faith. I thought it was for having babies. I thought it was so you didn't get caught having sex outside of marriage. See how we limit that? Yes, that is still true. And yes, he puts that covenant in place to protect. But that's not the first priority of God. Come on. That's the temporal still. He's the eternal God. He's got eternal plans. He's so much bigger than that. So he says, I can just put that up again so I know I'm rabbiting it on. Romans, can you put Romans back up, mate? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among the many brethren, and these whom he predestined chose before the beginning of time. He foreknew you before you knew yourself. It's already written. It's already down in print. It's been nailed in blood, sealed up. It's finished. We have to see what's already is, not recreate what's not. We're great at doing that. What's my will? What's my will? What? No, what's your will? Okay, it's already finished. Predestined, he also called, means he invited. And these whom he called, invited, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. There's your process of salvation in one beautifully packaged scripture, okay? So your justified state, you get that for free, don't you? Your glorified state, you get that for free, don't you? The bit you don't get for free is being conformed to the image of the Son. Sanctification. So the eternal purpose is the conforming to the image. Why? Because God is looking for his eternal companion for his boy. That's what the whole story has been about. We've been hoodwinked by ourselves We've sold ourselves short. The whole thing is about a marriage. If you get this, I'm telling you, it will revolutionize you. Literally, you'll see it, why the design, why the pattern, why there's marriage, why there is kids, why relationship is God's first place priority. It helps you love, not have law. It helps you not be self-righteous. It helps you be a lover of people. There's grace, there's peace, there's joy in this position. Why? Because you can see. Because the author who starts at the end has perfected you towards the end. And so now your process has been altered. You and I did not start knowing the end from the beginning, did we? I certainly haven't, didn't. But through my own intimacy, through my prayer, he has revealed the end. 
And it has set this church ablaze. It has changed the direction. It has changed the vision. It has changed the way I preach. It has changed the way those that are preaching are preaching. It's changed everything. The apostolic board's different. The eldership's different. Some of the staff are different today. He has fulfilled his word in saying, I'm going to dismantle you lot, starting with your senior plonker, called Greg Simner, and then I'm going to dismantle all of you guys if you hang around here long enough. <clears throat> See, if you run away from the process, you run away from God. Doesn't mean you ever don't come back to God because God's going to do work. He's passionate for this. He is passionate to have you as his bride, as his church. He died for you and I. He laid his life down. He didn't have to. The Bible says he gave it. I could take it up if I want, but I gave it. I made a choice from love to give my life for you that you would know this. Then he says, are you giving your life for my people? Are you giving your life that others would know this? Well, you need to know this before you can actually start speaking it, don't you? Just back to the first eternal point of knowing God. The third one, I'll race through these because I think you're getting the picture, is reigning with Christ. Reigning with Christ. What are you talking about? Okay, he wants me to be his bride, his wife. He wants then me to sit next to his throne. Is Christ not coming back for a thousand years? Who do you think is going to reign with him in that thousand years? Who's he returning with? The saints, the overcomers. Who are the overcomers? Who are the saints? Oh, some random people? I don't know. It's all here. You just have to have eyes to see it and a heart to receive it. Otherwise, you miss it. Revelation 5, 9, And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God. You purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So Jesus Christ purchased, he purchased people with his blood, men, meaning women, from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. That is now and the future. It is now in the form of a spiritual reality. The kingdom of God comes into us first and then through us. But it's all spiritual, isn't it? It's not we're going to become the government. He's not saying that. Jesus didn't come down and become the government. He's coming and the government is on his shoulders to establish the literal physical establishment of out of Jerusalem for a thousand years on this earth. He's going to reign the earth. He's going to be the big boss of the earth. And he's looking for a bride to co-reign with him, to co-rule with him. How many cities are you going to get? Ten? Five? One? James Anson's message? Every message, guys, that's going out is in an alignment to the eternal purpose. That's why God said, put it in front of them so you know every message that's coming from my mouth and everyone else up here, it's a means towards this end. It's not just a message out there somewhere. Oh, that was nice. It's all connected into the one message. Okay? 
So here's a scripture. You can have Revelation 2, 26 to 29. It's loaded with this stuff. He who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give him authority over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessel of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father, this is Jesus, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. There are seven letters to seven churches with seven promises at the end of them all. One letter went out to seven churches. They all received the report. The church in Ephesus got this. The thing I have against you is you have left your first love. And if you do not repent, I'm going to come and take the candle stand off you. If that doesn't get you woken up when your eyes, where are your eyes and are you living a life that's devoted and undistracted to the Lord and you still have a husband, you still have a wife, you still have kids, you still have a job, you still have sport, you still do this, you still do that. All those are irrelevant. You can have a full-on undistracted, devoted life and have all those things. It's just those things aren't in your heart anymore. He is. And he enables you to put all those things in perspective. Why? Because you've sought first the kingdom and his righteousness, so everything aligns. But when you don't seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, everything becomes all on toppled. And so you're literally running around trying to juggle everything, aren't you? It's like a juggling act. That is tiresome living. Constantly filled with quarrels and noise and anxiety and worry, and we are missing this eternal purpose. He says, I called you, predestined you before I even you even knew me for something far greater that is anchored ultimately in an eternal realm, and it is to influence your now. The last thing is the kingdom of God is formed in and through us. That is the fourth eternal purpose, that the kingdom of God is formed in and through. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. I don't know what that is. That's Mark. Is it Mark? Matthew? Anyway, I'll give you the right scripture. That's my writing. That's my mistake. It's Matthew 4, actually. Sorry, I think. should be Matthew 4, 17. Sorry, Avi, guys. That's my blue. Matthew 4, 17. From the time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what I'm talking about has been fully known 2,000 years ago. This is not new. It may be new to you today, but it's not new. Nothing in God is new. God knows all things. We're the ones that are outside of what's new. You hear what I'm saying? So it's not new in God, but it's new to us. So Jesus came, he said, from the time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, <clears throat> for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All this knowledge is at hand because the kingdom is at hand. I turned up with it. So 
if you want to know me and if you know me, on the revelation of me, I build my church. But you can't get that revelation from yourself. You've got to get it from above. And the more you get in revelation from above, that's what you know, the kingdom message. So the kingdom message is what you're hearing today. It's the bride of Christ. It's the reigning with Christ. It's to know him, to live for him on this earth. Isn't that the whole plan, to live with him and for him? That's what I read about. You can't be my disciples if you don't hate people. That's what he said. They're not my words. He said, unless you hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 25, go read your book. We need to know what the word hate means. It means if you love, more, if you love someone more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Why? Because that person is going to get in the way of our relationship. That very person is from him, could be from him, but what's happened is they've become entangled in your heart, you're entangled in their heart, and now you've left your first love. You see how you get this? You've left your first love because you've fallen in love with someone else. It can be a child. So here's the thing. He's not doing that out of hardship. He doesn't do it to punish you. He's saying, guys, this is what I have. This is what I have for the church. But if you get entangled in life and everything has come through me, but I've given you my way, I've given you my blueprint, I've showed you how to do it so you don't get entangled. But if you don't listen and do it your way, you will get entangled. So I have to write in my eternal word scriptures to awaken you so you can see the truth, see your reality and go, I need to repent. Because repentance brings life. Have you come to the point where godly sorrow has led you into godly life? That's the whole point, guys. It's not to crush you. It's to lift you up. And this is what he's screaming through his word. You need a complete renewing of your mind because your mind is set on your interests and not on mine. So please hear this call from the Father today and be found on your knees praying. Why? Because it releases praise and praise releases what? Presence and presence releases power and now you have the power to live the godly life. You're not someone who has a form of godliness but you lack power. 2 Timothy 3.7 You're always learning but you're never coming into knowledge. So you go through religious ceremony time after time after time after time and you are void of life. And yet there is life now and in the future. Luke 17, 21, Jesus said what? The kingdom of God is what? Look, here it is. Or he says, nor will they say, look, here it is, there it is. Behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It was him. On Mount Transfiguration, what happened? Did he not stand before them in his glorified state? The kingdom is at hand. Where is Christ? Where's the kingdom? Can you see how you need to have the kingdom formed in you, Christ in you? Christ is the The kingdom is at hand. I bring with me my kingdom. All things are through me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Greater in me than in the world is Christ. Do you think if Christ, the kingdom, is being formed in you, you're going to know this stuff and live for it? That's why he's saying it doesn't come with winds. It doesn't come here. It comes here. 
Stop putting on new clothes. Stop changing your external situation. Stop looking for this, looking for that, looking for that. All external, I'm coming to do my work. I may have probably put you in that external to do a work. So that's come from me. Why? Because Romans 8, 8, 28, 29 says, I work all things for the good who loves and love them according to the eternal purpose. So I've put you in that, what you think is a horrible hellhole, to do a work. Because the only way I could get your attention. Why? Because your eyes were firmly set, not on Jesus, but on yourself. So I allow all things to get you placed where I want you. Why? So I can actually start talking with you. Everything he does is from love. Everything I'm going to do for my kids is from love. Does that mean my kids understand that? No, not all the time. You hope as they mature, they understand. Oh, as we mature, we get understanding. We get to understand the ways of the Father. Then we lead other people into the ways of the Father. But just like us, we probably kick and scream and splurt and fight and go, no, like my kids do. I hate you, Dad. That's okay. I love you. And my love's not determined by your behavior. My love's determined by the knowing of God. So I'm going to love you while you kick, scream, yell, don't like me, because I can love that behavior. It's all the same thing, just at different levels of relationship. So just like I allow my child to go through things to teach them stuff, I don't do it for them, parents. So does God. To allow the maturing of the church. Why? Because it's all connected to the eternal purpose. He's looking for his bride. She will look like him. She will love like him. She will reflect him on the earth. That's what qualifies her as the bride. Press on to maturity, my church. He's not coming back for an immature people. He's coming back for a mature people who what? Know how to handle the ways of God, the word of God. Why? Because you people are going to reign with me in the thousand year reign. And I need to see now that you have served your apprenticeship well and that you have matured. So I want to give you foreman responsibilities in this thing called the kingdom of heaven. If we are not maturing now, you won't receive the reward that Jesus has with him that he's coming back. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's so important we can hear this because it's supposed to awaken us to the reality that is in God. Galatians 4.19, Jesus, Paul is just talking about he's in labor again until Christ is formed in you, till the kingdom is formed in you, the man was in labor. You talk about heroes. Outside of Jesus, this man is my hero. The things he went through that you and I would not miss this, it would be criminal to miss this for what he did for you and I. Wouldn't it? The beatings, the sloggings, the persecution, the stoning to bring something to you and I 2,000 years later. 
Think about what Jesus did to not grasp the magnitude of this. And to, to be co-casual would be to not honor the cross. And you have Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Your sake. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Can you suffer for others? Can you suffer for others? This is the call of the bride. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He's doing his part. He's going beyond his part for what is lacking. There's a lack. There's a lack. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God. I was sent to the church to minister to the church by God, bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man, every ch the church, and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ, mature in Christ, complete. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. The man's life was sold out to walk with God and to serve you and I, to see you and I be made complete in Christ. What for, Greg? That you may marry Christ. Do you want to marry your Lord and Savior? If you really do, then you'll be found in him. And you will live the life he's called you to live. You will walk in the manner in which he walked. 1 John 2, 3 to 12, three weeks message. If you keep his word, the love of God will be perfected in you. And then what? You will abide in Christ and you will walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. You are becoming his bride. His bride loves like himself, lives like himself. You will be the most selfless person on the planet because he was the most selfless person. You will be the most sacrificial person on the planet because he was the most sacrificial person. You will be set apart. He was set apart. You will be sent. You will be sent. You will be a servant. He will be a servant. Like matches like. Maturity matches maturity. Now God says, I've given you time on this planet. I've given you a time from when you were born to when you will end. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes says? There are time to live and a time to die. Doesn't nine, Psalm 90 verse 92 verse 6 or 90 verse 6 say something like this? Teach in me, Lord, teach me to value my time so a heart of wisdom can be produced. I don't want to be a foolish virgin, do you? I don't want to turn up and hear Sorry, you never grew up. 
You just received my love and you wasted my love. You lived for you, your agenda, and not mine. But I died, my church, my saints, and I sent people to you to give you this message. And I lived the life, Paul's saying, to present the church complete. I'm in labor again until the church is formed. Christ is formed in the church. The man laid his life down for you and I. And I believe the Spirit would just say, what are you doing with the message you've just heard today? What are you going to do? If nothing, then I've just wasted an hour and 20 minutes of your time. Literally. And you can't get that back. So we're on a time scale, and I've just taken an hour and 20 minutes out of your time scale that you can't get back. Don't throw me under the bus. But I've just wasted your time. If you come here every week and don't do, I'm going to lay this out there now. I feel the, the presence of the Father as a Father to speak. If you don't do what's being taught, you are wasting your time. I'm wasting your time. You may as well go and spend your time somewhere else because you can't get it back. Can you hear my heart? He said he preached the word of God that the earth would receive the word of God for a divine eternal purpose, not because he's got nothing else to do. It's for you and me that we may be the very thing we're called to be now and in the future. Amen. I thank you, Father. I thank you that you care so much that you're prepared to share these messages with us. Your heart to awaken us, that not just for us, but for others, that we, as we enter into this process with your word, with your son, and as he builds us, and as we start to overcome the flesh and the world and the enemy and live a life of victory in you, we become the light of the world to other people in our lives that know you and other people that don't know you. And Father, we then preach, we share, we discuss, we dialogue, we pray, we love, we give, we lay our lives down as the representation, as an ambassador of you because that's what you did and we're of the same kind because we know you and we're knowing you. And Father, then... Your glory will fill the earth. And so, God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have been given called life, to find real life and then to live from that place, to see your will established here on earth while we're here. And I pray today, Lord, there would be such a thirst and a desperation and a hunger and a humility in us to go after what we've just heard. Those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit has just said to the church. Amen.